We're back from summer break and are ready for another season of Couture and Construction. This season, we'll be diving into many interesting topics, such as going behind the scene of Nashville's 2022 Parade of Homes, back after a two-year hiatus, and discussing subjects from how technology is changing design, exterior lines, the MEP process, and more. Tune in every Monday at noon for more conversations behind the scenes of luxury design and build, and to hear from our exciting lineup of guests. Today we're joined by a roundtable of leaders in the design and build industry to shed light on the state of the economy in our industry. The 2020 pandemic and Nashville's seemingly unstoppable growth brought a housing boom, and Nashville currently ranks number six for fastest housing construction. The pace is fast and demand is high. But with labor shortages, supply chains, and inflation, where do we actually stand as an industry? Joining us today to help answer these questions and more is Brady Fry, owner of Fry Classic Construction located in Nashville, Tennessee, Dwayne Van Hook, 2022 President of the Home Builders Association of Tennessee, and Associate Professor in the School of Concrete and Construction Management at Middle Tennessee State University, and Shane Holt, an experienced real estate professional and Director of Sales and Marketing for Bosco Builders. Gentlemen, thank you guys for being here. Uh, really very, very appreciated. Uh, let's dive into today's topics. Uh, so uh, starting with you, Dwayne, how do you think we're weathering the current economy in our industry? And uh, what are the biggest challenges we're currently facing? All right, the economy here in Middle Tennessee is extraordinary. Um, it's actually better than the majority of the United States. So um, <clears throat> we're good. We're good in Tennessee as far as the economy. The um, we're, we have the same problems that everyone else has got: supply chain issues. Uh, you have inventory problems. You have labor problems, uh, and it it happens in all parts of our state. Uh, I'm not just looking here at the Nashville area. Um, as president of the, of the state association, I look at what's going on in Memphis as far as in his mountain city and everywhere else. Um, the, the economy is definitely beginning to go into a downturn outside of the major metro areas are, are going to be heavily noticed, uh, especially in your lower income areas. Uh, Nashville, on the other hand, I don't know when we're going to slow down. Uh, we've got more jobs coming in than we're going to have people to fill them. So people are still going to be coming to Nashville. So that market is really good uh, at that point. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a two-tiered market. The, you have the high end and then you have the moderate and low end. And the high end is reasonably thriving very well because of the influx of uh, people coming in from other states. But you're beginning to see uh, your workforce housing tighten up quite a bit. Um, I looked yesterday, and it's almost impossible to find something under $200,000 even in a townhome. Um, here in this area and the surrounding areas, uh, so most of those are in the 300s and up. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, workforce 
housing issues that we're going to have to deal with locally. And the prices, the inflation, and the interest rates are driving that just plum through the roof, you might say. Um, our challenges, getting used to normal. Uh, I speak with a lot of people sometimes, and they look at each other and say, we haven't seen normal so long. I wonder if, you know, how we're going to adapt to go back to normal when you start seeing homes average sitting on the market for 60 to 90 days instead of uh, multiple offers in 24 hours. That's, that's a different concept for a lot of people that have gotten into it. Um, our workforce in itself has been struggling for many years. The guys sitting here will, will tell you their labor shortages are killing them. Um, it's not been a question of you know, what can you build. Uh, it's how many can you, not how many you can sell. It's how many can you build. That's really what it is. Um, labor shortages are killing everybody, and that problem started over 20 years ago uh, with our education system. Uh, Governor Lee's been working on it, and most of the states have been working on it, but it's not going to turn around anytime soon. I see that in at the university. Um, our numbers in my department, in construction management in particular, are up. We're one of the few majors in the entire university of almost 20,000 that have a higher enrollment this year than we had last year. Uh, everybody else is down, and they're down 2 to 4%. Wow. Um, you're seeing... That's not unexpected. You're seeing less people graduating from high school. You're seeing the demographic change. So uh, we've had to refocus our efforts on how do we get people interested in home building? Um, the, and the first education part of that is parents. Uh, we have, we've been, have seen this at recruiting fairs. A uh, student wants to come by and talk to our recruiter. And the parent goes, you don't want to go over there, concrete construction. You don't, you don't want to go there. You, let's go over here. And I've, I've to the seen business management program. It is. <laughs> well, that's what I have, you know, uh, we've got five majors mm -hmm. and one of those is, um, a CI, well, two of those are CIM, concrete. Mm -hmm. Uh, the majority of those people are sales and service production, sales and service people. Now, uh, we do have a concrete contracting side of it as well for your big concrete contractors, but um, their numbers have been going down for several years, while ours have been steady and going up because we have both residential and commercial construction. And it's good that a student can come to MTSU. They can get to know the builders in the area, the companies in the area, and they don't have to move. Yeah. To take a job, and they get it, and they get a job starting right out of school with almost no, um, almost no experience practically, uh, sixty to seventy-five thousand dollars base pay plus benefits, and in yeah. two years they're making six figures. Yeah. Uh, how many twenty-five-year-old college graduates can say that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's part of the reason ours is growing, and people really don't know that it's there. 
So, yeah, our challenge is getting uh, at the university is getting the word out. We're the best kept secret in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Talking, you know, Shane. I didn't even realize you had this program. <laughs> years ago. Um, I've been I've been at MTSU for seventeen years. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, uh, Dwayne, thank you. I think that was fascinating. And uh, one quick follow-up question for you. I'm going to reference something from our previous podcast where we had you as a guest. I, I think you cited a statistic where rising interest rates for every percentage disqualifies a certain amount of buyers from the market. Do you remember what that was? I don't recall exactly what that was, but it's somewhere around – you know, there's so many thousand people get kicked off of the ladder every time a building goes up a thousand dollars. That's right. And I can't recall exactly what that number is right off the top of my head. Um, but you can imagine how many people at the lower end of the pay scales have uh, been relegated to rent only because mm-hmm. they can't afford, can't afford a mortgage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's what I was talking about. One of the challenges we face in this industry. With rising prices and rising rates, it's um, it's making workforce housing difficult. And, uh, people who work in Davidson County are having to go you know, Hickman County. They're having to go to Clarksville. They're having to go to Cookville. Um, I've been told that there was a building inspector uh, in one of our local areas that drives in from Sparta every day. Jeez. So wow. uh, that's amazing. It's that's it's amazing. like all of your your teachers and your firefighters, your police officers are having to go uh, with the real estate people call it drive till you qualify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you share that. I was in a I was in a roundtable uh, six months or so ago with. Uh, uh, I didn't participate, but I went and listened, uh, and it was Amazon and Oracle and uh, Alliance Bernstein, and they identified probably the largest issue facing uh, our area as well was um, affordable housing. So that's interesting. Brady, um, how do you think we're weathering the the economy, and uh, what's our biggest challenges from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Dwayne. Nashville's overall been a boom. I've been here 30 years, and it's been a boom really the entire 30 years, except for the several years in, you know, 2008 through 2010. Um, and so even during that time, we were insulated from more of the coastal areas. And we, we definitely had a downturn for those people who weren't building back then. Unlike myself, it, it was rough. It was, it was really rough. And I saw a lot of really big established seem like, you know, silverback gorillas of the building industry that came tumbling down. So it was a pretty shocking time. Um, but things recovered and it's been, you know, really just, uh, 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 a race to the top since then. I mean, you just think that it can't get any hotter and it continues to get hotter. Also, like Dwayne said, you know, again, we're seeing the, the supply chain is tough. The workforce is tough. Uh, I think it's just going to require people to be more sophisticated, more organized, use better tools, project better, um, because we can't change it. So we have to adapt to it and organize our businesses in a way just to manage it, really. And so, um, you know, when, when the world was always six weeks away, it allowed people to be sloppy, to um, not have to be planning far ahead. Um, so now that things might be up to a year away, it just requires people to, um, you know, know what the supply chain is, be advising their clientele 
appropriately and making sure that the whole team um, understands, you know, there's a schedule, there's a, there's a curriculum, there's a path to get these homes built because otherwise, you know, um, these projects could go on almost indefinitely. So if you understand the, the supply chain, my projects average 18 to 24 months. And so, you know, if you're trying to turn a house in 10 months, it's a big struggle right now. We're able to organize things in our business where, you know, it's not really being a tremendous impact in terms of the supply chain. I think in terms of labor, uh, it is a struggle, but I also think, again, it encourages you. People want to work for a winning team. So there's good subcontractors that are working at poorly for poorly run general contractors. And so um, if you can be a leader in your industry, you make yourself a pleasure to work for. You have your information organized. The subcontractors. Personally, I never worry about subcontractors. Um, I feel like we have a good company and people should want to work for us. Uh, uh, we value them. We treat them with respect. We pay them appropriately. We pay them on time. And when there are problems, we're equitable in how we resolve those. So um, I'm looking for those jewels out there. Sometimes I go, hey, man, here's a great subcontractor that unfortunately is paired up with maybe a weak contractor and feels like they're stuck. And so we found, honestly, you find those guys on a regular basis and then they come and work for us and they're just flourished. So that's solving my problem. That's not solving the workforce problem in general. Um, one of the things I talk about with a lot of the builders, you know, tradespeople that I'm involved in is the Calvary is not coming. It's it's not, um, the government's not going to solve this. Sorry, but I'll say, sorry, the NHB is probably not going to solve this. Um, so uh, contractors are going to have to get involved and solve it ourselves and get really active because it's not a, um, we're not facing um, a sales issue. We're facing an HR issue. And I think that, that we're going to have to get very aggressive and um, uh, make the, in high school, in specifically, um, making that choice available when people are trying to choose if they want to go to college, they want to go in the military. You know, a lot of people that don't go, don't go to the college or the military end up in hospitality uh, and food service and retail. So we need to appeal to these people and say, here's a, a career that's available to you that you can almost not fail. I mean, the metrics are so good. How many people could enter industry and say, it's, it's almost impossible for me to fail? The metrics are that good. Less people have gone into it. The last 50 years, people have told they've got to have a college degree. Uh, and our population is getting older. And so um, the metrics are really outstanding for people that choose to get involved in construction. So we as contractors, to solve this issue that we're facing of, of the workforce, are going to have to get very active at recruiting these people, destigmatizing, not going to college, and, um, and, and making, making the construction industry, you know, on that list of, of viable career paths at very much earlier. Mm -hmm. People used to end up in construction, mm -hmm. you know, hey, what what career didn't work out for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. did you want to do before you ended up here? You know, and so we need to change that path. And people go, hey man, you know what? There's a lot of opportunity to be a mechanical contractor or a general contractor. And then also, you know, the same leaders that emerge in every other field: technology, medicine. There's entrepreneurs and medicine entrepreneurs in the medical field. I mean, we have a whole city full of those people. They're entrepreneurial 
entrepreneurs in the construction field. And so, you know, those people emerge and they'll start companies and they'll be innovative. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to do a better job of putting our message out there, identifying these kids and getting them in, into our field. And it's, it's, it's critically important. Mm -hmm. I love what you just shared. And mm -hmm. uh, especially the metric uh, aspect. I, I, th I think it's been pretty fascinating uh, the last few weeks as we watch interest rates fluctuate and they get a little bit higher, I keep seeing the stat that home building accounts for nearly 18% of our GDP. So almost a fifth of what we produce as a country is, is tied up in home building. And uh, that's really amazing. And that speaks to the fact that, man, you, there's, there's plenty of money. That's a very big pie. That's a very, very big pie for people to come in and, and be part of. So, Shane, can't wait to hear your perspective. So how do you think we're weathering the current economic uh, situation that we're in, which, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure what, how we describe it, and what challenges do you think we're currently facing? I think what both of these guys said is is phenomenal, and, and I do. I think it's building a pipeline to show that it's a viable career, a viable industry, um, I don't think that that's a 24-month fix. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we're blessed to have guys like uh, Brady and Dwayne and, uh, that, that are going to start the machine in motion. Mm -hmm. uh, what we have seen uh, as Botsco Builders, we've, we've been in the national market since 93. Uh, we saw the blip, Brady, in 2008-2010, and I think our companies are similar. Our issue was in 2008-2006, leading up to 2008, so many of the, the the quality, skilled craftsmen, uh, guys that have may have done it their entire lives, got out of the industry. Mm -hmm. And to fill those spots with, with a young person that is educated but may not have the, the, uh, the, the field experience to do those jobs is very hard when, as a general contractor, you're only as good as your subs. Mm -hmm. So much different than the commercial uh, construction that Nashville has seen its share of. Um, I can't just go get a trim carpenter. Mm -hmm. um, I can't go just get a plumber uh, mm -hmm. because they're a low price. I, I have a certain uh, expectation of quality. Um, a little different than these guys, uh, I wear two hats in here. So um, I'm also the principal broker and owner of a real estate company that deals in luxury real estate. And a couple of good things for us, I was in real estate in Nashville when we went through the first downturn. And, and what impacted us at that point was people were still flooding to Nashville. Nashville's been attractive for a while, mm -hmm. not in the volume that we're seeing right now. Uh, but, but so many of those people coming from the Midwest, coming from California, seeking tax relief, uh, political relief, whatever their reason for moving was, so many of those people couldn't sell where they were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't care what your finances are, are like. A, a person didn't get those finances by making dumb decisions. And they're not going to take a hit on their house, even though they can financially afford to do it, uh, to make a move. So it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts our market. Uh, I know uh, June, the greater Nashville area for June, uh, real estate sales were down 6.1%. Uh, July, they were down 19.1%. Now, that being said, a balanced market is a six-month supply of inventory. We haven't gotten near six months. We're still at about a one-month supply of inventory. So we're still heavily a seller's market. It's going to be interesting to see what the next six months with rate hikes, 
whatever the government's attempt to slow down inflation, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts our market here in Nashville. But like these guys mentioned, I was just reading before I came in, Oracle's got 8,500 tech jobs uh, that they're bringing here. Uh, Lance Bernstein still has people. Facebook keeps uh, growing their operation in Gallatin, Tennessee. So, so many people are still coming to Nashville. Wall Street Journal just named Nashville the number one luxury real estate market in the country. Little old Nashville, Tennessee, hee-haw. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I'm encouraged by what these guys are saying, that we've got to change the, the, the dialogue with young people, that there are viable, very viable careers in our industry. <laughs> that's that's uh, – I didn't know that stat about Nashville, um, and I really appreciate the stat that we're still at about a one-month supply. Um so that's good, and that that kind of goes back to Dwayne's point. We have a capacity issue. I mean, that's both of Brady and Dwayne's points. We have a capacity issue. You mentioned inflation and how that may impact, uh, you know, the current market. Why don't I start right back with you, Shane? I mean, if we continue to see inflation rise, where it seems like it's been, you know, a steady eight and a half nine percent now for about six months. If we hold steady, what do you think? I mean, or, or if it goes up, I mean, do you have any idea? In my lifetime, I've never dealt with inflation. Dealt with a lot of things, but I haven't dealt with inflation. So uh, I've not seen it either, Andrew, and that's going to be interesting to see. It's mm -hmm. going to be interesting to see, is there a tipping point? At some point, um, if we continue to sign contracts with, with clients to build houses. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what interest rates, and and surprisingly, most of our clients uh, that have the financial wherewithal to build the type or to pay for the type houses that we build, most of those guys, from a tax perspective, still get some type of mortgage. Mm -hmm. uh, the, that's costing them more money now as it is everybody else. So it's going to be interesting to see at what point does that cause them to pause. Mm -hmm. And right now, in in new construction, I'm seeing it in real estate. Uh, 30 days ago, every real estate uh, new listing that hit my computer was off, all offers due in two days. Uh, you know, you can fog a mirror, but don't ask to inspect it. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to have to pay 50000 more than asking. I don't see that at all anymore. Everything I see now comes out. There's no deadline for an offer. And most everything I'm seeing now is a price adjustment downward. I think a lot of that is an uneducated consumer base. They see that Ma and Paul Kettle down the road sold their house for 1.5 is what Mabel told them. Uh, and so we ought to be able to get 1.6 because we just put new carpet in. So some of that is letting the market tell them, no, 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 you, you know, you, you're not quite worth that. But uh, I think it's going to be an education for all of us. We're going to see a lot. I, I think it's going to be something. Dwayne, what's your take on inflation? How's that impacting uh, things here in Tennessee and uh what do you think it's going to do long-term? Well, inflation is not fun. You said you didn't see it. I saw inflation. My dad was a builder. Uh, I started in the building business in, during the Carter administration. I know exactly what inflation was, and I know it creates really, really bad habits. Um, you, Me coming up as a new family person, you got into the habit of, it's going to cost more tomorrow, so go ahead and buy it on credit. That's fine. And you wind up getting overloaded with credit, and then when the market just, when somebody throws a wrench in it somewhere, you're stuck. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, that's the bad part about living with inflation is that you get into some really bad habits if it goes on for a, a long period of time. Uh, what I see happening, uh, the inflation here has already outpaced, uh, especially in the housing industry, has already outpaced the person who's lived here all their life. It's, it's outpaced their income. It's outpaced anything they do. They can sell great, but can they turn right around and afford to buy a new home with the new market price? So that was part of the reason that you were seeing uh, years of real estate, in a couple of years ago, real estate, nobody was selling their their homes because they had low, low interest rates. Um, they were going to have to pay through the nose to get a new one, and some of them could not afford to pay the higher interest rates, mm-hmm. or not interest rates, the higher prices. And now you've got uh, inflationary in- pressures on the interest rates. They're just going back up to what was normal. Mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. You know, my first qualified mortgage was 13.5%. Uh, <laughs> wow. Let's hope, let's hope we don't get to that. Exactly. Let's hope we don't get to that. I was, I was working with builders in, at, when home interest rates were hitting 21%. Wow. I mean, it was it was a scary time in the early uh, early eighties. So, um, my dad always told me that six and seven percent was was just normal. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen normal in forever. Yeah, and I, and I would even agree with that because my first house, I bought my first house in East Nashville back in two thousand three, and uh, I remember my dad telling me, you know, well, you got a six percent interest rate that you wouldn't believe what your mother and I paid. You know, be thankful for that interest rate. And here we are still, I think, 30-year interest rates right now are just a hair below five. Uh, so it's still, you know, not great. not not that bad. So, uh, Brady, what's your take on inflation and how does it impact our industry and your business? Well, I think it's overall, you can't make a great cause. You can't make a great case that it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, inflation's a double-edged sword. So in my marketplace, the people that are, that talk about inflation and I might wait it out and see if prices adjust. Well, that's also why the house they bought for 1.6 million 23 months ago is 4 million. Yeah. It's a double edged sword. So what they would really like to do is sell at the inflated price, mm-hmm. but build again <laughs> at the pre-inflation price. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a, a double edged sword in that context. I think like everything else, um, well, in terms of um, pricing, I do think we're going to see some adjustments. The interest rates um, are going to slow down the first time home buyer market. It's just impossible. That market is so delicate. Um, like you said, the qualification the, is so tight. You know, people usually have to get gifted money and just, you know, really massage that paperwork mm-hmm. to just barely, mm-hmm. just barely qualify. And so, but I don't think that we're going to see that across every, um, you know, building category. Truthfully, it's probably good for my client. I think materials are going to be more available. As you see, these national builders that consume so much product uh, start to pull back a little bit. I think it's going to make um, material more available for the higher um, price points. I think also we've already seen um, lumber has already came off about 62% from its high. I think the last time I looked, it was about uh, maybe 
five five fifty per thousand board feet, and it had been over fourteen hundred. The sheet goods are still really high right now. Um, sheet goods have a lot to do with the petroleum and resin mm-hmm. and those those industries that are um, relying on those. So, you know, there's always a way to play it. The same thing. I think that's why. Again, as we talk to our clients in our marketplace, and it, it's about being creative. And if y'all will remember, even when interest rates were high, one of the things that flourished back um, in the 80s and 90s when nobody could really afford to buy a mortgage is people that had homes financed at low interest rates started participating in owner financing because guys who had 3 and 4% mortgages could offer those homes now at 6 and 7%. Mm when mortgages were, you know, higher. And so there, there is always a way to be successful in business, but that, you know, what was working a few years ago, which was, Hey, sign a, you know, I'm going to refinance my mortgage every time it drops another percent. Well, now we have to say, well, where's the market going to go or what are going to be the opportunities? There's still going to be people leaving Nashville Mm -hmm. that get transferred that have low mortgages. Mm -hmm. And so those are the opportunities I'm thinking about. Another uh, marketplace that Shane might be able to speak to a little bit more. Um, I agree with everything Shane said about inventory, but the buzz that I've been kind of hearing in the zeitgeist around Nashville is um, the developers are buying less. They're not lowering their prices yet, but these guys who've been buying 40 and 60 lots a year, they're not buying them that fast. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to preach to my marketplace, hey, if you've been locked out, you've wanted to build a ha- custom house, and you know you can never get an opportunity for a lot because the developers have heard about it first. There's going to be some of those opportunities. So again, it's going to make it tougher. Some of those developers that are used to doing 40, 60 homes a year are going to pull back. The single family buyer that wants to build their custom dream home and still has the resources to do it, there's some space for those people. So I just think it is what is. I don't overthink what if, if things are good or bad, I go, okay, you know, um, there is always, they always say, you know, um, a recession is a transfer of wealth. It's not an elimination of wealth. So people that have been highly leveraged or um, some of those people are going to get hurt or some of those new, new home buyers are going to get hurt. But there's other marketplaces that are going to do well under those same circumstances. Sure, sure. What do you say about the development? Have you seen or heard anything on that? It's interesting. It'd be interesting. Uh, I'd love to know. I you know both of these guys are familiar with Edsel Charles, and I can remember going to many banks and listen to Edsel talk about the the land shortage in Nashville, how short on land. And man, was he right! <laughs> I mean, we are really short on land. I play golf with a guy that develops lots and then sells them to the big home builders, and you know the first of the year. End of last year, he was saying, hey, you know, I've got 400 lots that I'm trying to get utilities put in and roads and curbs and all that done, and that's slowing down some. I I, I met with a a local architect uh, in Nashville recently and asked them what they saw in their projects, and he said that they were seeing a a, a real shift from multifamily to hospitality. Um, People are going to still keep coming to Nashville, and like Brady said, We've just got to, and pardon the hillbilly phrase, but we've just got to find the different way to skin the cat. Mm-hmm. I remember 2006 to 2008, 
there were a lot of people trading houses. People were trading houses. People were moving houses. Yeah. I've never in my life <laughs> knew that you could move a house. And I met with some guys, and that's a that's an interesting bunch. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They'll hook right up and pull your house somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so I do. I, I think what what's comforting to me and listening to all you smart guys sit around here and talk is that we're not all gloom and doom. This is positive. We've just got a, a, a different ball being thrown at us, and let's duck in a different way and keep moving forward. We don't have a choice. Here yeah. in Tennessee, it is a lot more positive and upbeat. When I, He said NAHB wasn't going to fix it, and I kind of snickered a while ago, because when I left Washington, D.C. in June, that was the most depressing meeting I'd ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, when I left my meeting, uh, state meeting here, it was positive, it's upbeat, so things... Things in Tennessee are a lot better than they are in a lot of other places in the country. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can share from a vendor perspective, we're not yet seeing seeing an issue. Um, uh, and, and again, we deal, you know, in a luxury market. Um, uh, our clients are have the same mindset now that they did maybe six, nine months ago. Uh, uh, they're still excited to buy higher end materials and to build their dream home. Um, and we're not, and we're just not seeing that pullback yet. And it, Brady, you make a great point, you know, where there's, where one thing may, may change a little bit. Another thing is going to change a little bit too. So, uh, you know, we may see, uh, <clears throat> our new construction slow down a little bit. But our remodel business pick up a little bit. Um, so, so we're, you know, as I share with people, um, <clears throat> we're like one peg above uh, optimist. So we're cautiously optimistic that things will will continue. Uh, and there's no doubt that we live in an area that's highly desirable. I thought your point about, but can people move here? You know, for the last couple of years, you know, I've I've heard uh, on the news and and whatever, and it is backed up by by statistics. You know that basically California is dying on the vine, and I've been thinking, well, okay, but somebody's spending the five million dollars for the two thousand square foot place that these people are selling. So they can come here and build a five point five million dollar eighteen thousand square foot place. So there, there's still somebody over there buying their real estate to make all of that happen. Uh, so it's it's not as if it's just fallen off into the Pacific. Um, and and I'll kind of start this next little segment. We're starting to see improvement in what's been really a very difficult uh, time, which is getting goods. Uh, we're starting to see the supply chains um, uh, improve. And, and here at Textures, we have, uh, we source globally. Okay. So we source from Europe, we source from Asia, we source here in domestic, uh, domestically. I can tell you the biggest mills we buy from are the, are the ones in Asia. They are also the lowest cost, but they serve literally the entire world. From Australia, uh, they do millions and millions of feet of production, okay? And I know they are starting to pull back a little bit. They have less orders. They have more capacity. Lead times are shorter. Um, and freight, 
for containers, which, you know, uh, six months ago was 25,000 bucks. Just got a container bill, um, uh, a week or so ago and it was $14,200. Okay. So that's a significant, and that, that's a cost that we're able to pass right on. Container holds about 25,000 feet of material. Well, that's a, a buck a foot essentially on our cost. We've been able to cut that almost in half to where it's 50 cents a foot in six months. So we're, but our European factories are still over capacity and our domestic factories are still way over capacity. Um, they're having the hardest time delivering right now, which is a combination of the labor shortages and everything else. But we're definitely seeing the supply chain issues improve. Um, uh, so I don't think they're necessarily here to stay. Uh, what are you all seeing? Uh, Brady, I'll start with you. Well, you know, the things are, that people have heard there's such a long lead time, we're not getting the lower lead time. But what I think is going to happen is, we're, like, for instance, 24 weeks for Windows. Mm-hmm. In 24 weeks from now, they've got a 24-week backlog. Mm-hmm. So if you want to order right now, you're still going to be 24 weeks. I don't anticipate in 24 weeks they'll be quoting 24 week yeah. lead times. They just got to get through the backlog. Similarly, similarly with appliances, um, I, I think those things are going to start catching up, um, you know, in that next 24 weeks. So I think we got to get through this next, you know, six months, mm-hmm. six, eight months, and then we'll start seeing, I don't think we'll be back to six and eight week lead times, but I think we'll, it will be a big relief you know, again, we'd be saving two months mm-hmm. to go down to sixteen weeks, twelve weeks. At one point, you could you could order a Marvin Integrity window on a Wednesday and get it the next Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just almost too good to be true mm-hmm. at the time. And so, um, I don't I don't, th- I don't think we're going to be back to there, but I think we're going to be, I don't know, maybe forty percent of the way back mm-hmm. to what's been the historical. Mm-hmm. Um, lead time that we've all been used to and kind of organized our businesses around. And again, I think that's just knowing those weird market niches that, I mean, one of the weird ones is garage doors. <laughs> I mean, and so people are like, why are we talking about garage doors? I mean, we used to order garage doors was one of the last things that we would order. And we order them really early because we use carriage house, you know, pretty high end doors and they take 10 to uh, 10 to 12 months. And so you just got to understand what those items are. And when you build your production calendar, have those built in because some things you're going to have to order before you break ground. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we used to order doorknobs when you could get them in six weeks. We wouldn't even know what they were until two months before the job was over. Ah, what mm-hmm. we, what finish we use on the doorknobs. We probably ought to be thinking about that. But now, you just can't do it. So, so that's a really interesting point. That's something that I've seen to have been a positive is are we retraining the market though on how that should be? Because if our, if we continue to push that and get these selections, eventually that's going to be a way more efficient process. Because I remember back in the day where, you know, somebody would come in and I'd be, when do you need flooring? Well, I mean, we really need it like next week. And, uh, or, or in two weeks, you know, and, but take and, your time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and now we don't have that issue. A majority of our new construction orders are, you're at least starting the process in the design phase. Yeah. You know, it may not get executed until, you know, framing has begun or foundation, but 
what I've heard from, from my clients is they want their build to be set up to where we're waiting on them, not them waiting on us. And, and I think that's probably an overall positive for the industry. Uh, Dwayne, what's your read on it? Well, supply chains, uh, one thing that everybody has mentioned, it has retrained the industry to plan for product. Uh, it, how many how many years ago, well, you were talking about garage doors. People go in and I, I, I go down so-and-so. I, I call my garage door supplier and he said, well, I can have it installed in two weeks. Uh, I had a customer that, that um, I built for in 2017, destroyed one of his custom garage doors, and they told him just to get two panels for it was going to be 34 weeks. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, you know, I've seen builders that that got caught, had a, they had the entire house finished and couldn't get garage doors. Nobody would give them a CO because he couldn't get the doors on. Wow. So, custom building sitting there for about six to eight weeks at the time with no doors in it. Um uh, it's still not pretty. Uh, it, all it takes is one cog to foul up your say. You get a lot of things from from the Asian markets. Uh, well, back in another lifetime, I run container trucks. So I understand the intermodal process and the shipping side of it. Um, when you killed the ports on the West Coast, and all of those ports, ports are pure union only, they're just X amount of product that's going to come in through that port at a certain time. Now you've got the state of California said that, um, oh, you're no longer going to allow um, subcontracted truck drivers. They've got to be employees of your company. And I'm thinking, what idiot come up with that nonsense? Because all the company's going to do is move their headquarters to Nevada, book out of there, and then go pick up the same problem. It's just... Uh, Government is starting to get in the way occasionally. <laughs> occasionally. Uh, come occasionally. on, <laughs> You don't mean that. I talked to a guy with U.S. Brick yesterday, and he said, they promised us we would never be out of sand again. He said, we were out of sand in Nashville on Tuesday of last week, all because the Corps of Engineers. Mm. They, uh, the barge is sitting on the other side of the Cheatham Dam, uh, down below Clarksville down there, and they can't unload it, couldn't get it to Nashville because the Corps decided to work on the locks. Well, they shut everything down. And then they got this real bright idea that they were only going to let barges through during certain hours of the day. Hmm. So they actually ran out of sand again. Uh, he's telling me that uh, the brick runs that, Used to be at the, from the manufacturer every three weeks are now six weeks. Mm. Well, a lot of times we don't know what we're needing six weeks. So the manufacturer just said, you're going to have to estimate how many are you going to need. You're going to have to educate your builder into telling them how many brick you're going to need of what kind ahead of time. Uh, so we are re-educating the industry all the way around. Um, during uh, the builder show in Orlando, I asked a guy with a um, production company out of North Carolina. He builds about 250 homes a year. And ask him, what is uh, the supply chain's done to your schedules? He said, eh, it's cost me about two days. What? 
with windows of this and doors that. He said, yeah. He said, we order everything 24 weeks ahead of when we put a foundation in the ground, which means now he's got logistics he's got to handle. He's got warehouse full of materials. He said, I can still deliver my product on time, on schedule, and on price, but the price is a little higher. But they've had to retool their entire purchasing program to be able to handle that. The small builder is the one that got caught with it, that got used to ordering, like you said, doorknobs a week before the carpenter's going to put them on. You know, I used to go down and buy Schlage hardware, uh, pick up all I wanted and walk out the door <laughs> with it and put it on the next day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't always do that now. Mm. Uh-huh. It's a little easier for the production guy. I mean, they, they're going to build those same four plans and mm-hmm. all year long, so they know. But Brady and I, we've never built the same house twice. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we're we're creating a Mona Lisa in the middle of a field, and we have no idea the ingredients until the client tells us. Mm-hmm. That makes it a challenge. But I do think that planning and educating, I think educating the clients has become more of what I do when I'm in front of the client than anything. Um so it's just it's challenges. It's good to hear that they're not challenges just for me, but for all of us. And I think what's amazing is is what's contributed to the challenges. So so Brady, Dwayne, and Shane, thank you so much for being our guests and sharing more information on the economic state of play for the design and build industry. Check out the show notes for links to to follow our guests. We'll be back next week, and until then, I'm your host, Andrew Denny. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share Couture and Construction, and we want to hear your feedback. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Couture and Construction is brought to you by Textures Nashville, produced by Davis Osborne and Chelsea Rand, and is recorded live in the Textures Nashville showroom within the Nashville Design Collective.